The Old Pilot's Plain Tales The Christmas Angels Julianne Cupcay was only 17. She had just finished high school, and in her graduation ball photo, she looks pretty and petite, with short blonde hair and a corsage pinned to her gown. She appears a little younger than her age, and her eyes have a bright alertness that might give a clue to her character. But nobody could possibly guess just how capable this young lady could be. The day after the ball was Christmas Eve, and Julianne was excited, not just because of the forthcoming celebrations, but because today she and her mother were flying from Lima in Peru to Pucalpa in the Amazonian rainforest to join her father. Julianne was no stranger to the Amazon. Her parents were both well-known zoologists who ran a research station in the jungle, studying the animals of the rainforest. Her mother, an ornithologist, and father, a biologist, were German expatriates, and Julianne had grown up in Peru, hoping one day to follow their footsteps. They were a bit annoyed as they clambered aboard the Lancer Flight 508, as they had been delayed, waiting some seven hours to get on board the Lockheed Electra turboprop, but most flights had been cancelled, at least they were on their way. Finally, just before noon, the 86 passengers and six crew prepared for takeoff. The airline had already lost two of their aircraft, one of which had been the worst Peruvian air disaster ever, and this was their last remaining machine. Julianne's parents knew it might not be safe, but there was little alternative, and they were keen to get together for Christmas. The flight wasn't a long one, and they were only cruising at around 21,000 feet, but the weather ahead looked poor. The bright sunlight disappeared as they entered some heavy cloud, and the aircraft began to be buffeted around. Soon a few lightning flashes lit up the cabin, and they could hear heavy rain rattling against the fuselage. Julianne and her mother could hardly speak, so they held hands while they listened to the crying and weeping from the other passengers. The captain was concerned as tropical thunderstorms were violent and dangerous, but he knew that many of his passengers were travelling to be with their families over Christmas, so he pressed on. The turbulence became worse, and the aircraft was being thrown around. Parcels and luggage were falling from the lockers, and gifts, flowers and Christmas cakes were flying around the cabin. They had been in the bad weather for about ten minutes when someone gave a loud scream as a bolt of lightning struck the aircraft. Reflected on the glistening wet metal of the right wing, Julianne saw a bright flash from the pitch-black clouds near the outer engine, and she heard her mother say very calmly, That is the end. It's all over. The last words that she ever heard her speak. As Julianne watched, metal peeled open as the wing was ripped from the aircraft. The lightning had ignited fuel in the wing tank, which quickly led to structural failure. The Electra was built with particularly rigid wings, and it wasn't good at coping with the sort of violence that could occur in a thunderstorm. With a wing missing, the aircraft began to tumble, and it rapidly broke apart. In the fuselage it was completely dark, and Julianne's head was filled with the awful noise of the bellowing engines and screaming passengers when, suddenly, 
it went quiet, and she was completely alone. Her mother and the other man who had been sitting beside her were gone. She was in free fall, still strapped to a row of seats, hanging down and looking at the jungle canopy. The whispering wind was the only noise she could hear. She watched the ground come spinning up towards her, looking like green cauliflowers or broccoli, when, thankfully, she lost consciousness. She woke later the next day, but spent many hours falling in and out of consciousness. Eventually the heavy rain brought her round and she managed to gather herself. Taking stock, she realised she was deep in the jungle, wearing only a sleeveless miniskirt. Her spectacles, which she relied on quite heavily, and one of her sandals were gone. She had severe concussion, a broken collarbone, torn knee ligaments, a badly strained neck, a fractured shin with a deep cut that nearly severed the bone, and several deep lacerations to her arms and legs. To make her short-sightedness worse, one of her eyes was swollen shut due to popped capillaries that had resulted from the rapid decompression, and the other eye only opened a little. However, it was amazing she was alive at all, considering she had fallen over two miles. How she survived was pure guesswork, but perhaps it was down to a combination of her seat row spinning like the blades of a helicopter, the protection uh, that the seat cushions gave her, and the slowing effect of the dense forest as she broke through the canopy. Despite her injuries, she spent that first day awake looking for her mother. She moved around barefoot, slapping her remaining shoe down in front of her to deter snakes. Struggling to see where she was going, she remembered some advice her father gave her, and she started following a spring downstream, sometimes on the bank and often wading through the water in the deeper parts as it grew into a stream. She knew that the piranhas preferred the shallows. Being in the water was safer, as many of the plants on the ground she might walk on were poisonous. It was very hot during the day, and it rained often, but at night it was cold, and she hated being alone in that skimpy little miniskirt. She was following the noise of some king vultures, recognising their call from the times she had watched them while living with her parents at the research station. She knew what would attract the vultures, and hoped that the calls might lead her to the aircraft. When it became dark, it was too dangerous to travel, so she hunkered down and suffered the bites of mosquitoes and flies through the long night. It was a few days later when she turned a corner in the creek she was following and found another bench from the aircraft. Three passengers in it were rammed headfirst into the earth. Julianne felt paralysed with fear. She had never seen a dead body before, but she thought that one of them could be her mother, so she touched them with a stick to see if they might be alive, then realised that the lady had painted toenails. Her mother never polished her nails. Hunting around, she found a little bag of sweets, the only sustenance she would have for her entire ordeal. Julianne struggled on down the stream, 
Her wounds were quickly becoming infested with parasites. After a few days, she could see that a hole in her arm was now full of maggots, wriggling around under the skin. Other perils surrounded her. Poisonous plants and snakes, crocodiles, piranhas and devil rays. But she was really worried about her arm full of maggots, and she hoped she wouldn't end up losing it. Sometimes she would see a crocodile slide from the bank towards her, but she felt reasonably safe from them, knowing that they didn't often attack humans. Exhaustion was taking its toll, and Julianne began to hallucinate, losing track of reality. As the days passed, she moved closer to death. Often unable to walk, she just allowed herself to drift in the water. At night, she slept with her back to a tree for protection. When it didn't rain, she was nearly eaten alive by insects. When it did rain, she was pelted by ice-cold water that stung and kept her awake for hours. She had lost track of time, but it was on the tenth day after the accident that she saw the boat. She had nearly floated past it, and she wasn't even sure it was real until she touched it. Above the boat, up the river bank, was a small hut, but in her weakened state it took her several hours to crawl up the slope to the shelter. When she finally got there, it was empty. There was a small can of petrol. She poured some into the wound in her arm, like she had seen her father do to treat animals, and then she started to squeeze the maggots out. She couldn't get them all out, but at least she was free of the first thirty or forty. She rested as night fell. The next day she heard the angels. The loggers from the hut had returned, but when they saw Julianne they became alarmed and nearly ran. They thought she was a kind of water goddess, a figure from local legend, half woman, half dolphin, who had pale skin and golden hair. But Julianne spoke to them in Spanish and calmed them. They helped to treat her wounds, and then took her in their boat for the long trip to the lumber station. From there, with the help of a kind local pilot, she was airlifted to hospital, and an eventual joyous meeting with her father, who by then believed that his family had perished. Being one of the few military officers on duty over Christmas, Dr. Juan Ramirez had been coordinating the search for the missing Electra, but there had been absolutely no sign of the debris through the thick jungle canopy. However, with Julianne's help, it was soon found. When the crash site was discovered, the trees all round were hung with the belongings of the passengers, clothes, gifts and packages suspended there like macabre Christmas trees. Apparently, Julianne's mother might have also survived the fall, as had a few others, but sadly they all died in the jungle of their injuries before help arrived. Julianne was to be the sole survivor. Unbeknown to her, when she set off to follow the little stream, in the opposite direction lay a major river, only a couple of days' walk away, where her rescue would have been quickly assured. However, Despite the trauma and mental anguish that she suffered, she eventually recovered, continuing her studies in biology at Kiel University in Germany, finally completing a doctorate. 
she returned to Peru to study bats in the tropical rainforests of South America. Now she works at the Bavarian State Zoological Collection in Munich. Her autobiography, When I Fell from the Sky, was published in 2011, for which she received the Korean Literature Prize. Lancer stopped operating and was closed down. Inquiries had revealed that the previous aircraft to crash before Julianne's flight had been poorly serviced by motorcycle engine mechanics instead of qualified engineers and that the pilots didn't have the required licenses to operate commercial flights. So when an engine failed after takeoff, they mishandled the aircraft, killing everybody on board. <laughs>